The secret is out. Video is the fastest and easiest way to get your viewers hungry for your product or service. This is the Video Marketing World Podcast, and we are 100% dedicated to helping businesses, entrepreneurs, and creators grow their following and turn it into profit. We are going to bring in world-class guests who will educate us on the ins and outs of video, marketing, and business development, all so that we can help you achieve your goals. Whether you want more views, more engagement, lead generation strategies, more profit, or simply to scale your business, whether it's on TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, or via live stream, we have got you covered. Let's get to some video marketing. What's up, video marketing world? Welcome back to the Video Marketing World podcast, where we teach you, the business owner, how to use YouTube to grow your business. We have got a banger for you today. We've got Sean Cannell from Think Media, one of the top YouTube trainers in the world here on the Video Marketing World podcast today. We're going to be talking all about how to scale your YouTube channel. So you business owners who are at home who are thinking, man, I don't want to get on YouTube and then just be stuck creating content on YouTube forever. This is the podcast for you. We're going to be talking about how you can work your way out of your YouTube channel. We're going to be talking about how you can hire people to do the parts of YouTube that you don't like or the parts of YouTube that are uh, a little bit more tedious so you can free back up your time so that way you can be focusing on the things that are most important to your business. With that said, Mr. Sean Cannell, thank you so much for joining me today. We've got a hot topic to talk about and I'm excited to have you here. Today, we're specifically talking about scaling a YouTube channel. Cool? Absolutely. Fired up. So pumped to be here. And what's up, everyone? You know, one of the things I think that we run into a lot and you probably see this a lot in the people that you deal with, especially larger YouTube channels, we deal with a lot of burnout. And what typically ends up happening is creators, especially creators who aren't entrepreneurs, will get into YouTube and they kind of fall into it. And then all of a sudden they feel like they're getting trapped by the algorithm, the ups and downs of the algorithm, feeling like they've got to continue to create content, you know, to continue to level up. So what, what are your thoughts on burnout and, and what are your, some of your thoughts on how to avoid that as you're scaling your YouTube channel? Yeah, you know, I think that I have been privileged or grateful for my journey over the last almost 20 years now. There's a couple things that I think people can take away from maybe they're starting without the history in the industry as well as video, as well as in leadership and kind of like business or organization building. So I started shooting video in 2003 for my local church. And that's my head start on video. The first YouTube channel I started was in 2007 for that same church. I'm doing everything wrong. That's only two years after YouTube started. And then I'm also in a leadership environment. And I get to actually witness organizations apart from YouTube drive people too hard, burnout, leadership challenges, team building, having an unsustainable pace. Then uh, I start working for clients in 2010 while I'm also working full-time at a church. And then on top of all of that, I'm a digital immigrant, meaning I was very much a semi-adult or adult before the internet was even a thing in social media. So I have a point of view of not really just being born into the dopamine feed of social media, the algorithm, the, how hard it is to just manage algorithms and all these different things. So I think that number one, you you said it exactly right. It's it's just a natural result of the fact that you kind of stumble into this. You start having some success. That success kind of takes over. 
you know, social media too. It, there's a real dark side of social media in YouTube that if you don't manage it, it will manage you. Like if you don't dominate it, it will dominate you. And I have so much empathy because you don't really see it coming and things are happening behind the scenes to you where you're like, you know, once you start having some success, can I keep this going? Once you start getting some money, can I keep this going? So all that to say is that my entire approach and mindset, even from when I went all in on Think Media, so I have 2007 to 2015, basically, of learning SEO, helping authors and speakers and pastors launch YouTube channels, ranking videos and making money on the side in affiliate marketing. So think about a decade of experience doing all that. I also get to witness, I'm friends with Benji, we eventually write YouTube secrets, but we get to witness creators rise and fall. So we also get the vantage point of watching while I'm actually at a different job of watching people spike up, crash and burn because of their own choices or because of circumstances and probably a combination of both. And when I start at the end of 2015, all my freelance clients fire me and I go all in at Thick Media, from day one, I think my approach was radically different than most people approach this thing. Immediately before I had even money coming in, I was like, I need to duplicate myself. Even before I could afford it, I was like, I have to build a team. Even before we even had success to manage, it was like, I need to set up systems to, to manage that. So I think it's a very real thing. And I think it's solvable. I think that's, I'm excited for this conversation. But I think that it's a, a skill set that we are not really equipped with. No one's going to teach us it in school. And typically, people's background is not a leadership environment where you're thinking about things like team and a sustainable pace and things like that. So you touched on something that I want to segue into, and that's team building. And you're 100% right when you say that it's not taught, especially if you're not, if you're not raised in an entrepreneurial family, if you don't have business owners as parents or somewhere in your family who have experience with growing a team, hiring people, building out an infrastructure, how do you really get into that? What, what's the first step? Who do you hire first? And, and how do you know when you get to that point? The first step is not who do you hire first. The first step is actually to make a commitment to team building. And there's a great book, The E-Myth. Michael Gerber, right? Michael Gerber. It's the entrepreneurial myth because what, and it's exactly what YouTube creators go for. They're not actually true entrepreneurs. They're technicians that become really good at video editing, content creation, being the talent on camera. But there's a whole set of skills where it says, he essentially says in the book, you might be great at making cupcakes, world-class cupcakes. They always sell out. But if you stay in the kitchen and you're the only one making the cupcakes, you can't scale. So you're a great technician as a video editor, content creator, but you have to kind of shift your mindset to think like a CEO, think like a leader, which starts before you even make a decision of who to hire. Man, I need to make a commitment to do that. Very difficult because just maintaining the day-to-day, -day, trying to keep what's going on on YouTube, keep your content going, emailing brands yourself, you know, editing videos yourself or whatever you're doing, you've got to carve out some margin to say, I want to learn that. And I did that early. I started, I ordered whatever books I could find on delegation, whatever books, E-Myth, I started just like, okay, I'm going to commit to this. And Scott, it took years. So I'm, I'm like preparing years ahead. You know, you need to start building skill sets today that you won't just need tomorrow, but you may need three or four or five years from now. One of the principles we have at the Think Media team, we really lean into the Japanese word kaizen, which is a business term of continuous improvement and always just optimizing, getting better. And in Japanese culture, they have so many, they have many businesses that are over 100 years old. We have much fewer in the US. A short term business plan in Japan 
is 20 years long. <laughs> Dude, for the YouTuber, we're trying to stay alive for 20 days. Yeah. We're like, I don't know if, you know, AdSense is up and down. So, so it's such a different mindset. You start thinking more long-term. So number one, I would say you got to just actually commit to say, how am I shifting my identity? Even though you are going to keep doing the same things probably for years. Uh, no, I'm no longer a video editor, or content creator. I actually am a leader. No, I'm no longer just a technician. And even by the way, maybe a very influential, very profitable solo content creator, I need to shift to being a team builder. That's an identity shift. And then I need to commit to investing in myself, learning, reading, studying, and whatever. You might not even read. You might listen to audiobooks or you might listen to a podcast. So you might be wanting to listen to all these certain podcasts. You might need to shift the podcast you're listening to. You start thinking, okay, is there podcasts on how to build a team, how to be a leader, how to delegate? For sure. So you can just actually shift your curriculum to develop the skill sets that you need for the next season. Yeah, that's great. You know, one of our clients, uh, Alex Hermosi, he gets asked a lot of questions on investment. Naturally, he's, you know, he's worth a, a great deal of money and, and he's got a lot of great insights in business. But when people ask him about investments, if, if they don't have a significant amount of money, the first place he tells them to invest their money is in acquiring new skills. He calls it skill stacking. And he says, you have to know every side of your business. If you want to outsource a part of your business, you need to know that side of the business so well that you can teach somebody else how to do it. And so I think that you're, you know, you hit the nail right on the head with that in, in terms of acquiring skills and, and making sure that you're willing to put in the effort to grow along with your business and not just hope that someone else can come in and make your business 10 times better than you ever could without you being willing to take the, the steps and put in the effort to get there yourself. Yeah, I think 100%. And and then I would say, even as you're growing, there's such a practical hire for 99% of content creators, YouTube entrepreneurs, and it is video editing. The first thing and most practical thing you should outsource is video editing. In-house person, service like a vid shops or, or things like that, hire an agency, hire a freelancer, hire a contractor. And this, I think, touches on something that I came up against. I was a video editor really by trade. I had been video editing since 2003. By 2009, I'm editing wedding videos and hip hop music videos. So I also had developed a huge skill set for it. I'm studying editing. I'm loving the best editors and therefore letting go of the thing that I feel competent at. I'm afraid to let go, but also a little bit of ego. If I let this go, things are going to drop. If I let this go, think media at the time, subscribers are going to go, oh man, Sean sold out. We can sure tell that he's not editing the videos anymore. And I remember when I took a risk, started working with a guy named Jay, who we met at a meetup in Las Vegas. And I'm like, you know, he's kind of being paid like a flat rate. Like, hey, if you can help us grow a little bit, let's start at this price. We agree on it. Then as we grow in, we kind of raise it once there's a little more money coming in. And I remember when we released the first video that Jay edited, I was terrified. I was like, uh, like I'm, at night, I'm like, this is the day think ends. Like this is literally... Tomorrow morning, we're going to release this. People are going to be like, I'm not watching anymore. Clearly, Sean is no longer in every single piece <laughs> of this. And of course, Scott, you can guess how many comments we got about it. Zero. Not one person right. was like, oh, the editing's different, which was an ego blow, but also like a huge light bulb moment, which was like, oh, wow, I can let go of things, shift some things. Uh, maybe not even as good of editor. Editing could be subjective and some of the creative could be subjective. So all that to say is, 
I was spending per video, you know, if I'm really hustling two hours, you go three, four, five, six hours. If it's more dynamic, eight, 10 hours, if you're really like, you know, putting a lot of things together in a video, I just bought back so much time with one hire. So for the industry of YouTube entrepreneurship, getting an editor is the most practical. And it also is more simple. Like, should I hire a, a, you know, an executive assistant or a personal assistant to do what? It might just be like to manage my calendar and my travel. Are you really traveling that much? I'm not really sure what I would delegate. Well, editing is super clear. Like it's like, you know, shoot footage, make system, upload Dropbox, send to person, someone you trust, you like their results, they submit video back. You just got four, eight, 10, 20, maybe 30 hours a week, depending on how much content you're, you're pumping out or 40. And now you can work on scaling more. I love that. So beyond editing, you know, some other aspects of, of YouTube that you can outsource are things like SEO, right? Uh, description writing, tags, that type of stuff. What about thumbnail design? Uh, thumbnails are so critical to YouTube success. And what we found in our business and working with our clients is that it's, it's one of the hardest things to outsource because you really have to have a fine eye for what is clickable as a thumbnail. So what are your thoughts on outsourcing thumbnails? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I think hiring you would probably be smart. I think I've seen some agencies come and go. There's been some of these services that have already come and go. I think that's interesting because I'm wondering, you know, how sustainable it is. Here was our path. As we hired... I think if you don't have the right person, and I agree with you, it's super critical, and you don't delegate mission-critical items to someone who's not ready. There's sometimes, there's like the ego tension that maybe you're delusional and you just won't let it go, but then there's also like, no, actually, you can't find someone who, who can do this particular thing that's so important, and I believe thumbnails are paramount. So because of my background, again, when I started shooting video in 2003 for my church, I learned the whole Adobe suite, and I became to Alex's point, a one-man band that learned the pieces and the skill sets in my business. On top of that, I'm learning psychology, storytelling, and the cohesiveness, I believe, required on YouTube. Because it's not just thumbnails, are they clickable? It's not just, are they interesting? Clickbait, by definition, means deception, but clickbait's awesome if actually you make a promise in the title and thumbnail and then actually just deliver that really cool thing. Like, oh, I have to click on that. I was baited to click on it. But actually, it paid off. I wasn't deceived. It was actually like that amazing as well. So I was doing my own thumbnails up until a year ago. It was just one of the things that we hadn't found a, a person yet. And now Think Media is so at scale. We actually are blessed. A guy named Ian joined our team. He had done thumbnails for Netflix. And so it's a, like movie posters for like Ozark and The Purge. And so lately, our thumbnail game is, has gone up. And so it's not that you need to wait until that person, but it's definitely, and, and also, I think sometimes, you know, there's so much success on YouTube that's possible without things being at the absolute Netflix level thumbnail. You know, for so many business owners and entrepreneurs, there's something about good enough. But if you're trying to, I mean, as educators, we hold ourselves to the highest standards. So we're thinking about, every little detail and storytelling, how many elements and whatever. So that's, that's kind of the thing for us. But I would agree, you know, one of the biggest things, if you're trying to look for the right to Alex's point, again, you want to know all the elements. If you're like, can the person use Photoshop and is their graphic design good? It's not enough questions. It's like, can they actually generate unique ideas that are related to the content? Can they tell a story in the thumbnail? Can they keep things minimal? Do they 
Do they have the intuition? Are they studying best practices? So Ian, every morning he gets up and just studies like art and other channels or just all kinds of websites and other places that just designed. He categorizes an inspiration design folder, just kind of like we might as creators capture our video ideas. He's capturing just design ideas. He well organizes stock and elements. We just did one like how to revive dead videos, right? So it's like how to revive dead videos came out. It was a repurpose of a, a just kind of a live stream I did. But he took one of just a picture of my face and then found a stock image of a medical professional with the two electric paddles and then put like the electricity between the two paddles and put, you know, kind of a, a medical sign and then the YouTube logo. And so, I mean, it's just super like it makes exact sense. But typically we'd have like the same old photo of somebody. So he's actually like storytelling, bringing unique creativity. And I think it's a small few, but there are those who have that kind of skill set. The big idea here too, in this whole scale conversation is there's a level of you get what you pay for. I think you don't have to break the bank per se, but I would challenge those listening to this to raise your revenue targets, raise how much money you think you need to be generating your business. That might seem obvious, like, well, of course I want to make more, but I mean, actually think bigger, not so you can just make more for yourself. Think bigger because to really pull it all off, how's it going to help you? Talking a lot about Alex, but I think about his wife's uh, reel. She just dropped the difference between a 50,000 a year employee and a 100,000 a year employee. And the 50,000 needs to be managed. And the 100,000 a year is self-initiated coming up with the ideas on their self. And people are saying, I can't even hire a 50,000 a person. Well, of course, there's agencies, people you could work with, and you could save a lot more than that. But legit, pay a little extra, invest a little more, look for the person who's really got mastery. You're just going to be so thankful. And a rising tide is going to lift all ships in that case. If you have, which pre-existing to all this should be a really strong business model, then you'll see the ROI. Every as, an, as a business leader, you have to eventually correlate it to ROI. It might not be in the first three to six months. You need enough bank to be able to make those kind of investments and even risks if the person doesn't work out. I remember when we first saw Ian, I was like, we can't afford him. I was like, that's what are you talking? He was working for an agency that's doing movie posters for Sony. What are you talking about? But eventually he wanted to be a part of our vision. We met at a number as he was here while raises are happening. And our thumbnail game went through the roof and at scale because we're doing five a week, three on our other channel. And then it freed me up to a whole nother level, which I can then go to the next level of value creation and push the whole thing forward. Well, I mean, you and I both know that to scale the business, you have to remove yourself if you really want to get to that next level. So that leads me to my next point, which is ultimately, how do you remove yourself from a channel so that way your channel can be a brand on its own and you can really take things to an enterprise level? I think the first thing is self-awareness. This is listening to this is a good time to ask, what do you even want to build? Where is this all going? What is your five to 10 year plan, even if it's super loose? Because I'm not saying micro detailed plan, just like if you keep going at the pace you're at, where's it going to lead? And then what are the other values in your life? So I'm 38 now and I have a 15 month old. So, and you know, as you've been a dad, so, so that kind of changes your perspective. You start thinking about, you just think different. Not only that, you also might think different about how hard do I want to work? How long do I want to work? Of course, you're what, you want to hustle, you want to be on this, but I also would rather be here healthy, not burnt out, healthy marriage, healthy mindset, healthy soul in 10 and 20 years. So this idea of a sustainable pace, 
So if you, if you factor all of those into the conversation, then it might influence how you're building and what you're building. You have kind of two options. I think you have a personal brand or you have a team brand. And on a personal brand side, I think it's a matter of systems, staffing around you, maybe batch producing, and you could potentially carve out what's the business model and how can I do this in a cadence. There's also seasonality. Like you just don't have to play by anybody else's rules. You could take summers off. You could do videos in seasons. You can take breaks. You know, Phil DeFranco's doing all right. And he disappeared for like all of December and like the first two weeks of January. And yeah, he's okay. Like, oh, sure, it's Phil DeFranco. But I mean, you can, you can do things like so this is your thing to design. For me, I think a self-awareness thinking about my skill set, also thinking about vision, the impact I want to make, the fact that I also want to create something bigger than me that cannot just impact the world, but can impact people that are a part of Think Media. I made a conscious decision. And there's actually a book called Built to Sell. I never read it, but I read the cover and I was like, makes sense. <laughs> Is Think Media built to sell? Well, if it's built on me, it's not. And that's the vulnerability of a personal brand. Unless you become Tony Robbins or Zig Ziglar, nobody wants your IP. Nobody's going to license you. So you, when you stop, it stops. And this ties into my biblical foundation of thinking success without a successor is failure. By the way, are you just trying to have a run and just crush it for a few years, be really frugal and do some smart investments and then pivot into something else? What's the model? What are you after? And so think media shifted to really a media brand. It seems pretty architected. And I would say it, it is to a point, but it's also just being stewarding whatever is around you day by day. I mean, at first I was just on the treadmill being like, can I keep this thing going? And then I run into Omar at Fitness 19 and we had worked together in the past and he's like, now he's free again. And I'm like, dude, I need help. And I got a little bit of money. Can you help edit? And then I'm like, hey, can you want to create some content? So we start catching new vision brick by brick, person by person, level by level. And so part of it, you know, is your big vision. And then part of it is just pivoting and adapting constantly in the middle. And our vision today, one example is maybe finding an example of who you want to model. So Dave Ramsey is someone who I'm inspired by of what he's built because A, he built a personal brand for decades now, but he's in his legacy years. And so he has a succession plan. So he starts building out Ramsey personalities, Rachel Cruz, Ken Coleman, Christy Wright, and it's working. And not only that, this thing could live on if he just all of a sudden passes away. Does it just all stop? Well, now the, the baton has been being handed, check it out, over years. I, that's the idea of like, you start building, what's your succession plan for 20 years from now? Start immediately. Who's your successor that's going to be ready in 20 years? Think about that today. So it's not, if, if you're ever in a desperate moment where you're like, I'm burnt out, I have nothing left. I need to like hire a successor. That is not a thing. <laughs> that because if you really are doing it right, you're going to build up, build it up, run together. And here's my idea. I, I'm not even trying to sell fake media. It's just a really good way to think to build yourself out of the business. And I'm finding that, especially for fatherhood, I'm finding even for some health challenges that I'm having, I would actually be crushed if I had to build a team around, like I would probably have hit a wall because I, there's no way I could have sustained the pace. But I started to the beginning of the conversation, a commitment to building a team, growing as a leader, a skill set to develop the skill set of leadership, which would be the ultimate thing to actually create a vision that people even want to be a part of. And so those are just some of the thoughts. And I think the self-awareness conversation is huge because you want to also play to your skill sets. Your channel might not map to that. Your own ambitions might not map to that. 
There's a cool book by Les, I think, McEwen called Predictable Success. And it talks about the founder stage. It talks about you start to get into some money. Then it talks about the rough right water stage. And then it talks about going to predictable success. And the rough water stage is where a lot of creators probably find themselves. They go from like trying to survive and get enough cash flow to doing pretty well. And then opportunity comes their way and it starts being too much. And he gives you two options. You actually either go backwards. He's like, it's okay to go backwards and say, okay, this is just how many clients we're going to take. That's the lid. This is how many hours I'm going to work. That's the lid. This is what I'm going to do. That's the lid. Or you have to completely reinvent yourself, get key hires in place, build layers of leadership, and then you pop into predictable success. It could be the idea of like, am I cool You know, with a 350K a year business and here's the profit margin? And like, this is the, would be, I think, the big pressure. We're just too driven by, and I'm guilty of this, by those around us. You're comparing yourself to someone on Instagram, some other entrepreneur, some other business. You actually, you actually do have a lot more clarity than you think, but then you start scrolling. You're like, oh shoot, I got to scale up. Maybe you don't need to scale. Maybe there's like a healthy place where you could settle in. However, Les would say, you don't want to get into rough water and stay there because that'll actually kill you. You're making a lot, but you're also spending too much. Your pace is weird. You're burning people out. You're kind of burning yourself out. Your talk, your culture gets a little toxic. So you got to kind of press to a whole nother level. And that's what Think Media has been trying to, we're, we're 19 people about to go to 25. And that's also a self-awareness thing, auditing my own skills, auditing the leaders around me. Do we have a grace for that? Time will only tell, but it appears in the moment that we do and that we've been going fast, but I think we've also been building slow and we're trying to build brick by brick healthy and kind of stay in that zone of predictable success. You know, it's interesting. I, I was having a conversation with Collins Key probably about a month ago, and we were talking about the exact same stuff. And and they're talking about, I think he was saying they have 25 employees right now and they're working on scaling and they haven't put out a video in months. And I asked him specifically about that. I'm like, hey, you know, you guys are scaling, you're growing, but you haven't been putting out any content. And same thing, he's like, you know, we had to slow down in order to speed up. We had to slow down, build out the infrastructure right. So that way, when we turn it back on, we have everything put in place that I have a schedule that is uh, maintainable. Devin has a schedule that's maintainable. And our employees, everybody knows what they're doing and what their roles are. And I think that there is a such thing as moving too fast. And it can ultimately end up affecting your bottom line and, and uh, burning you out pretty quickly if you if you don't slow down and, and build things up brick by brick, like you're saying. Sean, we're winding things down here, but talk to us about what you what you got going on with Think Media. What, what's the plan for the next few years? You've obviously been doing some incredible things. You're scaling your business. So what's next? Yeah, I appreciate it. And uh, thanks again for, for hanging out today and having me on. Yeah, you know, a couple cool things coming up. We're launching YouTube Secrets second edition with Benji. Actually comes out in a couple of months kind of completely retooled and re-updated for new changes, YouTube shorts, all the other things. Heather Torres will be the first think leader to launch a book. And that comes out a few months later. Her first book, YouTube Made Simple, excited about that. So uh, those are a couple of things happening. And yeah, we are trying to keep it simple with as much. I was just on a StreamYard virtual event and I realized we, we live stream as much as 10 times a week whether it's in a private Facebook group or whether it's on a channel or whatever. And so there's a lot of moving parts. So we're trying to just keep it simple and keep scaling. So I think even just maintaining what we're doing healthy, our theme for this year is at our best. 
And that would be, we're not trying to be the best. We're just trying to be our best and be yesterday's best. And so we are actually prioritizing a lot. Like, so Think already puts five videos out a week, video podcast every week. And we're trying to make what we're doing world-class, like really good. And then on top of that, the live shows. And then on top of that, we have our event. And then we have books we want to write. And plus, we want to be developing people internally. We have a paid internship that we're, it's super beta, like we're getting that off. And so there's just so much happening. I think health and making a culture where, yes, it's high expectations and we work really hard, but also I hope our culture could be something where people literally internally, they don't get burnt out either. And to your point, we're still, we're still here in three years. (laughs) Like that, that'd be the goal. We're still here in six years. Patrick Bet David gave me some advice. Super pumped. He's coming to speak at our event and love value tainment. Think it's one of the best, you know, entrepreneur channels. And he said, Think Media did like six mil top line this past year. And I was like, you know, how it's it if we scaled more to get to eight figures, uh, what what advice would you give me? And he's like, Well, let me ask you. If you and I was like, I'm working full time, but like I'm working 40 hours a week, but with that's how much I want to work. I want to work full time. I don't want to go. I don't want to be, I want to sleep enough. I want to hang with the fam. I want to, I want to work, but like, but that's what I want to do. He goes, well, would you be willing if actually you could be at 30 million a year in three years, but you had to work 80 hour weeks? I go, no instant, instant answer. No, I I wouldn't, I wouldn't do it. He goes, okay. What if you got to 10 million a year, but you could work 20 hours a week and it actually took you three to five years to get there. I go, that'd be the move. And partly too, it's not even that I want to work 20. There's actually some other things I want to do in terms of writing myself on other topics and and even building out my personal channel eventually. No rush to it, but just some other things related to faith, leadership, and some things I'm passionate about. So the self-awareness piece to that. And he was like, would you be content with 10% growth a year? And by the way, that's kind of, that's cool. That's amazing. That that only is enough for inflation, apparently. So you should probably go at least 20% because <laughs> 10's only going to get you to break even on the money. Uh, but ultimately, it was just kind of like, I hope that serves people, really getting you to think like, would that be okay? And if I listen to too much Grant Cardone, I, I love the value I get from him, but it's like 10X dog, you got a freaking 10X. <laughs> Not everybody has to, man. Yeah. Like, you got to build out your freaking real estate portfolio. Maybe I don't want to get into real estate because I do because of the pressure, but then I got to manage things and I even have to manage the people that manage the things. Right. And I'm trying to do less better. I'm trying to observe the Sabbath. I'm trying to really like look at what matters most personally. So I think for Think, I mean, we're doing a lot. We're clearly externally, we look pretty busy, but internally, we're taking team retreats and we're trying to bring everybody's family in and do a really cool week-long event. And so we're trying to rest and run, create a healthy culture and really build a sustainable pace where we make a big impact and a big difference, but also preserve our values of our teams, families, mental health, spiritual health, the relationship, the systems we build, and just having a sustainable pace, man. That's what we're targeting. I love it, man. I love it. Well, you're doing it right. And I appreciate that about you. I think that's why we get along because uh, we see a lot of things very similarly. So Sean, I appreciate you joining me on the Video Marketing World podcast. Thanks for being a part of our community and um, thanks for speaking on our stage. And uh, you've been tremendous support to uh, to our group and, and to our community. And I and, uh, can't thank you enough for that. I appreciate you, Scott. Thanks for everything you're doing and thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Okay, everybody at home, we'll see you guys on the next one. Bye. 
Thank you so much for listening to the Video Marketing World podcast. If you could do us one favor, if you got any value out of this podcast, please share it. Share it with another entrepreneur. Share it with a business who has no idea what they're doing when it comes to video marketing, as they're only going to get the benefits that you and I have already got. And if you are thinking about coming to Video Marketing World next year in Dallas, October 14th to 16th, go to videomarketing.world and you will see that there are VIP passes still available. We would love to see you there. And last but not least, make sure the word gets spread by leaving a good rating and a five-star review if you enjoyed this podcast. We will see you next time.